How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick, and my buddy, Ronnie. Is it, everybody? This episode's brought to you guys by Magnesium Cafe. You know, magnesium is so crucial to every rugby supporter. It really can help in so many ways. Things like depression. When your team lose one, they should have won. It can help you get over the loss and once carry on with a plan, Brian, on a Saturday. It also helps with your blood pressure. So when your team needs to score 39 points to win the rugby championship, you know, when Cheslin is stepping Owen are waiting for France to snap a monster drop goal. It even helps with migraines for those times you're stuck at a bry with a few too many Bulls supporters who are still living in 2009, or if Ronnie's rant goes on a little too long. So check out Magnesium Cafe and grab any of their incredible products with a 15% discount by using the code PUNTIT15 at checkout. Help by supporting us and getting all the great health benefits that come along with a magnesium supplement. Yeah, guys, don't forget that it's also an informed sports certified product, keeping your supplements clean and healthy whilst giving you that extra boost your body needs. Talking about boosts your body needs, yes, we're recording on a Sunday today, and I'm not going to lie to everybody, I'm a little tender after yesterday's festivities down in Durban. I went what, did to you have a, a whole two beers? A whole two beers and a half and a half. you got to count for spillage, yeah. you know, when you're jumping up to cheer. <laughs> right 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 but you you got it you got to discount the foam that's at the head of it yeah, exactly right? that's also the problem yeah. and the guys pouring then that was a little bit of a, a situation yeah, they get a little bit heavy-handed right when you go to no. the stadiums they just want to you know it's about quantity it's not about the quality of beer so they end up pouring you this massive uh, foam of head uh, head of foam and and that's a real problem right you got to wait for your beer to settle before you can drink anything yeah that's exactly the problem and actually just on this topic so now we've gone to a variety of stadiums and seen how they do things durban mm, pretty poor in the beer distribution department load shedding did play a bit of havoc that the card machines in the whole stadium stopped working so you could only buy with cash which helped me get to the front of the queue because i actually had some cash yeah a bit of a stuff up there and getting into the stadium load shedding hits all the turnstiles lock so no one's going in or out the crowd is just building up outside and then they're like it's too close to kick off they just release the turnstiles and let everyone in without checking tickets so that- all right so prime opportunity for for ticketless <laughs> folk to to make their way into into the stadium yeah yeah look i must say durban's durban's always been pretty good with beer right i mean they get the jugs and, and it's always fantastic but you know we've done our rounds now and i think uh i think cape town still takes the cake as, as the best beer distributing stadium out there i was a little bit sad and you know prior to going to greenpoint this year i was like oh no Newlands was my favorite. How can they abandon such a great stadium? But honestly, that Greenpoint Stadium is fantastic, right? And and just the beer was so easy. I mean, what did we say when we recorded? We didn't wait longer than seven minutes to get a single beer. Exactly. It was perfectly done down in Cape Town. They did struggle a bit in Durban. It wasn't as bad as what we experienced at like Loftus and Bloemfontein. But also you and I have never been at a sold out Kings Park before. So I think that's really where you test the, the capacity. And, you know, the situation of canned beers not giving you the can takes so much time for them pouring these beers and beers and beers, and it just wastes time. So uh, that was a bit of a silly one for me. But otherwise, like I had very good seats in the stadium, sat right in front of the Argentinians when they sang the anthem, watched the security guard yep. take a ball to the back of the head while he wasn't watching the game. So that, right, was, right. that was quite good. Yeah, like a trip down to Durban, ended off with a jaw at Crusaders last night. Got a bit of a, a jaw on there and then made my way back up this morning. I saw good old John de Villiers at the airport this morning. He asked how you are, Ronnie. Says you still have oh, a poiki recipe. Yeah. Oh, right. Sorry, man. You know, I tried his babuti recipe the other day. It wasn't so good. 
So that's why you're holding out on the poiki now, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so what you're saying is uh, this was just another trip, uh, another 30-hour trip down uh, outside of Gauteng. Uh, not quite as expensive per hour as Cape Town was, right? Quite correct, quite correct. But yeah, glad I did it. Glad I got the game in. I uh, would have liked to have won the rugby championship down there. I was hoping to be one, at one of the big historic games for us, but it wasn't to be here, hey, Ronnie. What did you think of the game? Hey, Box 38, Los Pumas 21. Yeah, look, we I thought we started off very well. Um, yeah, we made a lot of errors, and I don't, I don't think the whole team made a couple of errors. Some of the uh, Oaks in the crucial positions. Franz Stein made a couple of uh, crucial, unforced errors. And, and, you know, that just that kind of broke the momentum. But I still felt the team had, had a lot of energy, and I felt it. I was like, you know, this is going to be it. We're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to get our 39 points difference and uh, five points out of that game. But we went to sleep in that second half. Yep, that's the unfortunate thing that happened. And I actually said it on the way to the stadium. I was worried the box would pull ahead in the first half and get complacent. I actually said I wanted a a close first 40 that we're ahead, but we've had to fight for it so that we come out firing in the second half. But I think you're quite right. You know, we were a little bit flat in the second. But I just want to talk Mm. about the start to this game because it happened right in front of me. Franz Stein kicking Juan Imhoff in the head. With that ball, it was wow. like a sniper shot in that stadium. You should have heard the sound that that made. It was unbelievable. No, of course. I think uh, I think he's still he's still busy waking up, right? And then when he does wake up, it'll be four years from today. Yeah, and Gilbert's got a new ball. He's got a couple of dents in it for uh, help with passing. <laughs> well, he, he got a new he got a new Gilbert face tattoo, which is, uh, say. That looks a little bit like no. Tyson. I mean, I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to recover from a kick like that. Only let's let's be honest, right? I mean, had I taken a kick like that to the face, I would just have said to the coach, "Please sub me out. My career is over." Yeah, that that was unbelievable. I didn't think he was going to get up from that. And I actually saw some really funny comments now. Why didn't Franz Stein get a red card? He clearly targeted the player's face. And to be honest, with the quality of refereeing on display, I'm surprised he didn't get a card. <laughs> it could well have happened. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, yeah, powerful, powerful boot in that man. Although um, his accuracy was off, though. And I think that was a little bit disappointing for us Springbok fans. Uh, it was, you know, he had the power. He just... Didn't have the accuracy. Yeah, I said it on our WhatsApp group. He should have channeled his inside mouse puerta. You know, it's 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 about getting the ball out when you intend to kick it out, and distance comes second, right? So make sure you get it out every single time. And once you can perfect getting kicking the ball out, then you can work on your distance. And I think uh yeah, he just was trying to go a little bit too far and, and put us in a great position and unfortunately kicked it dead once or twice, or not out another another time. So, I mean, it would have been easier for you to assess having watched the game on TV. What did you make of Francine's performance at fly off? Yeah, look, um, what was that? What is he, our plan C or plan D, D. considering that Elton was out and um, Damien Valimsa also out? I think Faf de Klerk, there was, there was murmurs going around that, uh, you know, rumors that that uh, that he was our cover at 10. You know, Jacques Nino obviously said that in the press conference conference um but you know what i thought front stain being a 10 would be great and yes unfortunately it didn't pan out as well so so we've got some we've got some prep work to do before the world cup right uh, if that's our plan d considering uh i don't know about plan b anymore uh elton yankees uh he might just well be our plan c right 
So that's a problem, right? So uh, uh, how many backup plans do we have? And is he a backup plan that we want to rely on in, in a crunch crunch game? Yeah, I think I think you're right there. You know, France can fill in on an as-needed basis, but he's definitely not an option they're looking for at 10. I, I can sum up France Dane's performance at fly half. He did everything you would expect of a centre because that's what he is. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly yeah, what he is. 100%. Yeah, so, that's a good that's a good point. I mean Marty Lubbock, right? So wouldn't it have been nice had Marty Lubbock been introduced to the camp a little bit earlier? Uh one one or two runs off the bench and maybe been uh, our, our choice flower for this past game. Don't you think the team would have done a little bit better with Marty Lubbock there? I know some people are listening to this and going, Are you bloody are you bloody insane, Ronnie? But look, Marty Lubbock performed really well at the back end of the of the last URC competition. We should have rewarded form. Uh, when he still had the form. I think we missed an opportunity there. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, I've been quite vocal on the podcast about how I feel on Marnie Lubbock. I thought he had a massive performance. And not only did he play in a championship-winning team, he also led most of the stats throughout the URC. I mean, he was the top point scorer. You know, he was very, very solid for the Stormers. And that should translate to a box selection, not a fly-half coming from Japan that's been injured the whole year. Another one selected from the Bulls that hasn't played in a year. And then you've got Andre Pollard. Silly, silly decision-making, but yeah, not much we can do about that now. We'll have to see what they look at for the upcoming Northern Hemisphere tour. So that'll be an interesting one. And then I just had a, I have again a bit of an issue with the Springboks game plan because they came into... I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah, I can already tell you, but carry on. Okay, well, it's nothing new that you disagree with me, Ronald. Again, we were playing 10-man rugby. And yes, I know that's the Springboks way and whatever. But if you come into this game with the goal of winning the rugby championship, one on your priority list must be to win the game, number one. But you have to be able to spread the ball. And every time Argentina got the ball, they got it at pace. They looked threatening with ball in hand. We got it. We only look at danger when Damien D'Alende has the ball. Otherwise, I mean, Jesse Creel had a shocker for me yesterday. That first half, he was nowhere. No, look, I think I've got, I've got, I've got something saved up for my little rant at the end of this uh, podcast for sure, with respect to that. But uh, I, I thought, you know, it's in our DNA, right? Ten man rugby is in our DNA. So we are strong forward pack. We're very physical. Nine, ten, kick the ball, right? It's, it's, we, we, we. As fans, we bay and we hope and we say, please just distribute the ball and we want to see good South African running rugby. But honestly, when has there ever, in the history of Springbok rugby, been good running Springbok rugby? I'm not talking about 60 years ago. I'm talking about now in the professional era. Have we ever been known for a team that distributes the ball and plays running rugby and plays 15-man rugby? No, we play 10. We are physical. We are in your face. And... uh, and just just a question: Is this marked uh, explicit on Spotify? This this podcast? No, it's not. No, it's not. So so what we do is we f them up physically, right? So that's what we do, <laughs> right? Right, Rossi, Rossi has said that uh, countless times. We f them up physically, right? And uh, and that's our ten. It's in our DNA to be that physical um, and in your face, and we tire you out. And you know what? We've got opportunistic outside backs that capitalize on your mistakes, and and that's in our DNA. So we were never, we're never going to put thirty nine points difference on a team, right? It, it's it doesn't happen. We've in, in the World Cup cycle, we did that against Georgia, uh, which were outside, you know, which is a tier two nation, right? But we're never going to put that those points on you. We're going to win. So I'm going to be pretty. We're going to win the game, though. Yeah, you know, Ronnie, the problem is what happens when we don't dominate a team physically. Look at Ellis Park. And in all reality, 
the rugby championship wasn't lost in Durban yesterday. We lost the rugby championship at Ellis Park. That's a game where we got bullied physically and we didn't have a plan B. So, yes, I agree. You've got to have this plan. But when this plan doesn't go accordingly, you need to change it up a little bit. Yeah, okay. You, you're being wishful now. And how many how many ex-players have said it? You know, the game plan. I don't know, who was it that actually said it? I can't, I can't quote them right now. You can quote But me. they said... Uh, when when plan A doesn't doesn't work, you know, plan B is to do plan A but better, right? And and this is in our DNA. Like you come to South Africa, you play the spring box, you know what's gonna happen. We're gonna if you up physically, it's gonna hurt. You're gonna have tired, you're gonna have sore shoulders. And and that's the way we play. And every time we try and mix with that, then we go to the dark years of uh Heineken Mayer slash Alistair Kutsia years where you know we went into a real dip. So so don't mix with with a winning formula. Let me put it. Don't mix. Don't mess with the winning formula. It didn't win us the rugby championship, so maybe it's not exactly the winning formula. Uh, well, I'm going to bite on my tongue. Yeah, I'll save what I have to say for the end. <laughs> That's all right with me, Ronnie. And two other moments in the game that sort of stood out. You know, when you're having a couple of beers at the stadium, you don't really remember everything hundred percent. But I clearly you remember. Use the word couple. Just by the way, use the word couple uh, quite liberally, right? For a couple for you means two, right? Just, oh, just, Ronnie, just you know, sure. I can drink a little bit more when I don't have to babysit you in the stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. But Dwayne Vermeulen was getting quite vocal from the bench before he came on, and the first carry that human made when he came on the field Yo. was gigantic. I felt it. I felt it back here at home on the couch. I felt that collision. It was immense. That guy's grandchildren are going to feel that collision. That was massive. And then Vili LaRue getting stepped. That was that was one of those bad, ridiculous high school touch rugby steps because he, he was left for dead. Yeah, well, he just collapsed into a ball on the floor, right? I mean, what do you do when a, when a, when a, when a flanker steps you like that? You kind of have to dig a hole and, and try and hide away from the public because, wow, what a step, right? And he was just completely wrong-footed the defender. In fact, the defender had no feet and just collapsed in the ball. So, Vili, I mean, if by some miracle you're listening to this, shit, sorry, man. Yeah, there's not much more we can say about that. But I also was quite excited by the little cameo we got from Kirtley Orance and Kane and Moody combining. Luckily, they were wise enough not to pass the ball to Jesse Creel in that move, giving Orance his try. Well, I just also want to say, I felt when Faf de Klerk actually went off and Orange stepped in as the sort of pseudo nine in you know, our 13-man game, it was, uh, I felt his distribution was excellent. I mean, he was quick off the base. His, his, his passes were, they were short, they were snappy, they were direct. It was fantastic to see. And in fact, you know what? I, that actually brought a big, a little smile to my face. He he, he marshaled as a, as a nine and as much marshaling as a nine can do, he marshaled that uh, that 13-man team pretty well. Yeah, I thought he, hey, he did quite well when he came on. And actually speaking of the scrum halves, I must say, I didn't realize how tall Jaden Hendrickson was. He's about Jasper Wiese's height, which is quite impressive. And that, that shocked me a little bit because Kanan Moody, we spoke about previously, he's quite tall, 1,9 meters. But Hendrix is right up there too. And then you get Fuff and Herschel's even smaller. So I think just to the listeners, we have to put this into perspective. Nick is really, really short. Uh, is that so, hey, Ronald? I'll, I'll take is that. that so it's the damn truth, man. Anybody's told to you. Any bloody scrum off out there is told to you. Bloody happy hooker. Yeah, listen to this. Hey, I'll take that one on the chin. You know, what did you make of all the yellow cards in this game? 30 penalties in this game is unbelievable. That's a ridiculous amount. 
Well, prior to the game, uh, well, when the Aussies were still playing, so early on in the in the Aussie v All Black uh, second Bledisloe, uh, they had a stat up there where the Aussies were the had the poorest discipline. They had over seventy penalties in the rugby championship, and uh, the lowest count was Springboks in the fifties. Can I just remind you what I said in last week's episode? And I said we're one of the best disciplined teams, and you denied it. Yeah, no, look, it's I'm just talking about this championship, sure. Yeah, you're right. But in general, we're a little bit dodgy. We, you know, we've had folks like the enforcer Bucky's that have uh, unfortunately given us a bad rep. But uh, it, look, besides the point, we were very well disciplined in this rugby championship. Sure, you were right, whatever. Let's move on. But then something happened in this last game. Was it us or was it the ref? I, I don't want to bash the ref. Like, no, uh, I'm, I'm sick and tired of doing 100% that. 100% bashing the ref today. It was ridiculous. I had maybe a six, seven-year-old child sitting next to me in the stadium yesterday. And even he could see what was going on in that field. That high tackle on front stain, the chop tackle on Etzebeth, the high shot on Kirtley Aronsa, nothing. But if you want to know how you know this ref was full of shit, he managed to give 30 penalties, four yellow cards, and not one to Thomas Lavanini. You know that something's up there. <laughs> Didn't he give more yellow cards? Wasn't it six, the total tally, by the end of the game? No, I thought it was four. Well, regardless, Thomas go. Lavanini didn't get one. Yeah, I was also shocked. I think I saw the Instagram post by the uh, Punted Media team asking if Lavanini was going to get a card. And um, the result, I said, yes, yes oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. If you saw what the score was, it was uh, heavily in favor of him getting a card. And he didn't get a card, which I was also very surprised at. But yes, he was handing, the ref was handing out cards like a bloody, I don't know. You know, he'd run, you, he'd run out of them to. by the time the Argentinians needed some cards by the look of it. What did you think of that one of Etzebeth? That for me was pathetic. We, yeah, it's a, it's, it was for me a little bit irrational, right? So are we referring to the one where he got penalized for, for pushing the guy? Yeah. Yeah, so he was pushing an obstructing player. The The player had slowed down, right? I get that he doesn't have to change his line or, or whatever. And if he does change his line, that's a penalizable offense. But he, he was literally breaking and stopping right in front of Etzebeth. So Etzebeth pushed him. And and I just felt there were too many bodies involved in that collision. Uh, it was like a domino effect, but uh, it was just too much too much distance between Etzebeth's influence and, and the player toppling over. Uh, in the air and, and in fact it was his own player that took him out so i just thought that was an irrational yellow card but you know what the, i don't know the ref stuck to his guns with that one yeah that that for me was an absolutely absurd call but it is we'll chat a little bit about officiating a bit later on in this episode nothing we can do about it now we did win the game ultimately but i thought it was a bit of a, a shocker from the official the match officials and then just also i, I wanted to tell you Ron, either we were in the bathrooms there at Kings Park and there was piss all over the floor. But I'm not talking like a little bit now. I'm talking you have to walk slowly so that it doesn't splash sort of vibes. Oh, and man. there's a crowd in there going out and this dad walks in holding his kid's hand and everyone's walking slowly and the kid just jumps. And that piss oh. on everyone. And it sounded like the boxer just made a knock on or something in the bathroom. Oh, the whole, the whole bathroom goes off. That was ridiculous. And yeah, second second stadium that's happened in now. Shit. Yeah. Sia played quite a good game for me. I thought he had a good one. Lurt Diaka, I think for me, was probably the most impressive. And Damien Dialenda as well had a had a pretty solid outing. Are you forgetting Jasper Visa, oh. who actually got man of the match, right? I am he forgetting had Jasper. an immense game, right? And and 
I absolutely, you know, I feel very sorry for some of the other players like Alric Lowe and, um, you know, Evan Rust, who also had a blinder against Connacht, right, in, in the URC, because Jasper Visser has cemented that position. 100%. Um, he's, he's, our eight. he's our eight for the next two World Cups. It's actually a little bit unfortunate to get substituted so early because he was performing phenomenally on Saturday. Yeah, well, it's not quite unfortunate because we got to see Dwayne Vermeulen's massive collision, right? That's, that's also true. That's also true. And then the game earlier on in the morning, Ronnie, All Blacks 40, Wallabies 14. The Wallabies did us no favors there, hey? No, no, no. The Wallabies really, uh, they did some, I don't know what they, they just didn't do anything right. And it was disappointing to see. Yeah, that really was disappointing to see. I don't know what they were doing there, but they absolutely failed in containing the All Blacks. They were running riot. You know, what did you make of the center pairing of uh, Jordi Barrett and Rico Ioani? Our social media no, guys voted heavily in favor of it. Yeah, I know that. But um, look, I uh, Rico proved me wrong. I said he wasn't a good center. said he was a wing. They should have kept him there. And then he proved me wrong. I think I said it a podcast or, or two ago that I was really impressed with Rico playing center at the moment. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's done really well. I'm just not convinced about Jordy Barrett, right? However, with that said, I think if you want to make room for both Richie Moonga and Bowden Barrett in a team, then unfortunately Jordy might have to play center, right? But, uh, you know, All Blacks do have some other centers, Toa Vasashek and uh, a couple of other names out there that they could rely on. But uh, I'm not convinced just yet, but, uh, um, you know, maybe Jordy Barrett proves me wrong. Him and Rico can make a great center pairing. Look, the score suggests that the All Blacks uh, have a winning recipe there or a really quality recipe there. Yeah, it seems to have been one of their most commanding performances of the year so far, without a doubt. But I also thought the All Blacks stepped it up in terms of physicality. Caleb Clark was an absolute menace with ball in hand. And I think the rest of the All Black side sort of just followed suit and laid into the Wallabies. Look, I think it also we have to look at Caleb Clark within reason or within, uh, from a certain perspective, right? He's an incredibly fast and physical winger. Right, so Nemani Nadolo, some of those, some of those names, uh, Wasaki Naholo, you know, some of these oaks, these these big wingers that uh, end up playing in in the land of the long white cloud. So Caleb Clark is just like that. He's a very physical winger, but I don't, he just, there's a couple of things that he just doesn't do quite well. I'm not sure if he's as great in the air, his handling, maybe not so great, but you know what? He is a finisher, right? So you need that big physical wing. So maybe, you know what, that makes up for it. You're quite right there. You know, he's got some soft skills to work on, but when the ball's in his hands, he's a menace to bring down. And did you see... Now the Wallabies, how much they were in the referee's ears in that game. Hey, did you see Andrew Kellaway just before halftime? The ref's like, how much time have I got? How much time do I have, ref? How much time do I have? Five seconds. It's like, okay, I've got five. <laughs> but you know what? Right. So he he asked a ref, right? So he's learned. So and I think other teams will have learned as well. Ask the ref, how much time do I have? Yeah. The moment you ask the ref, that the ref's going to give you a couple of extra seconds just for asking him that question, right? So yeah. he got five seconds. Andrew Kellaway looked at it. He said one, two. Boom, kicked it. So good. Maybe, that. maybe that decision uh, ultimately pans out well for, for the sport as a whole. Possibly so. You know, it stops time wasting and gives the players a bit of clarity. You know, what was it? What made the Wallabies implode like that? The fact that uh, they're playing the All Blacks in Eden Park, the fact that they haven't won, the Wallabies hadn't won since 1986. That was the year my parents got married. So 1986 is a bloody long time ago. 
And, uh, you know, that's a big monkey to to have on your back, right, when going into a game. Eden Park is a fortress for, for the All Blacks. I think they've got a, a lot of fortresses, but especially Eden Park, right? Yeah, I think you're right. The history was maybe just a bit too much to overcome. You saw the Wallabies and the two fixtures against the All Blacks and how they lined up to face that hucker. There's been quite a bit of um, anger directed towards Dave Rennie for instructing the side. What do you think? He says the hucker requires a response. I agree with it. I think do it. I think it adds to the spectacle. If it gets your team fired up, go for it. No, 100%. I think you must respect the hucker enough for what it is. It's a tradition um, for the All Blacks. It's it's a challenge that they set, and you need to accept that challenge. And, and it, every team has their own way of doing it. We've seen you know, France do it in the World Cup against the All Blacks. They did the exact same thing. England as well. So that V formation seems to be uh, the trick, just like the, the All Blacks lineup for the Hawkeye in, in sort of a triangular formation. That V standing behind your captain, either side of your captain. You know, I think I, I like it. So so as long as you can respect the Hawkeye, that's fine. And uh, I think doing that, keeping quiet, not screaming and shouting and 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 hearing it uh, and, and accepting the challenge, whatever way you see fit, by all means, do it. Yeah, I 100% agree. So for everyone that was watching, the shape that they were making was that of a boomerang. That was their idea, <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, they just lined up like that, like an arrowhead. And afterwards, someone was like, whoa, that looks like a boomerang. boomerang. So, oh, <laughs> let's tell everyone we did it as a boomerang. Or maybe they were hoping what goes around comes around and they'd have won that test. Now the ultimate question, have the All Blacks turned the corner? One, winning the rugby championship? No. Can't say that. It's too early to say, right? So they won the rugby championship. And again, I want to get back to this later. I'm saving it a little bit for later. Yes, they won the rugby championship, but they didn't win it like they used to. So they're not back to where they were. I don't know what their record is right now, but at one stage it was five losses out of eight games or something ridiculous like that. What it could be like seven out of nine now, whatever, seven out of 10. I don't know what the... I, like my maths, my math evades me a little bit at the moment. But you know what? You can't say it's too early to say they've got to go over to the northern hemisphere. They got to go prove themselves against some of those Six Nations teams. Um, and if they whitewash that, maybe we could say they might be back. Might. Yeah, they've they're going to have to perform on the northern tour just to satisfy or sh- silence, I should say, some of their critics. But yeah, it's going to be a huge northern hemisphere tour for everybody, actually. Before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to some of the guys that reached out to us this week. We had John, Alex, Ben, and Stephen. Shout guys for getting in touch with us. We really appreciate that you're listening to the podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying it, and we hope you're tuning in for this week's episode as well. All right, on to important matters, uh, Super Brew. So I'm going to start off, you know, logically, and like how Nick does it, I'm going to go third place, second place, and then first place. So in third place, we've got Sean White, aka I am Sean, on 11.5 points. In second place, we've got Vion Jacobs, aka Player 24, on 11.75. And in top spot, we've got uh, Donny Griesel, aka Worm Don. So by Donkey Worm Don, you are the superest of brew. Uh, and you have won yourself a rugby ball light. So, Wim Don, please uh, reach out to us and uh, we will be happy to send you a rugby ball light. It's uh, it's an exceptional light. Both myself and Nick have one in our homes. Yeah, and then just running, I think you need to quickly mention to all the listeners, where did you finish in Superbrew? Uh, I'm higher than you. <laughs> no, I want a number. And I know where you are, Fourth. so don't lie. <laughs> Yeah, you see the nonsense coming out here. Where did you finish? I came 213th. Uh, so I came 212th. 
Yeah, listen to this nonsense, eh? And then anyone looking to join our pool for the URC, it's not too late. It's only two rounds in. You can use the pool code EGYTHOU, E-D-G-Y-T-H-O-U. Come and compete there and you can win a rugby ball like two. So, Ronnie, talking about the URC, let's just quick, take a quick look at the results that we got there. Quite a lot of games played this weekend. 52-24, Glasgow beating Cardiff. Leinster, 42-10 over Benetton. Sharks, 42. Zebra Palmer, 37. That was a close one. The Sharks almost stuffed that one up eh, after building a comprehensive lead in the first half. I thought that was... Yeah, they they almost let that one slip for sure. Yeah, they definitely did. So those were all of Friday night's games. Then Saturday, we went over to Ulster scoring 55 points against the Scarlets, 39. Stormers, 38-15. I thought, like you mentioned, Ivan Ruiz had a bit of a cracker game there. Right, so you saw that try of his, right, before you move on to the next one. You saw that try of his. That was, uh, and that's a real shame that Jasper Beast is playing so well at eight. But uh, Ivan Ruiz, cheapest. Keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, that was a hell of a game. And then also just a disappointing incident from that game was actually the Bundi Aki clear out on Siabelo Sinatla hitting him in the right Bundi, getting a red card. And it looks like Sianata is going to be out for quite a while now, having suffered a pectoral and shoulder injury as a result of that hit. It's a bit of a disappointment for the Stormers who are suffering at the moment anyway with injuries. Bundi Aki had quite a severe reaction to that card as well, which I thought was a little bit against the spirit of the game. But yeah, look, sorry, uh, Siabela Sinatla. You know, he's one guy that I definitely wish uh, prospered a bit more in his 15-man career. And then over to Loftus, the Bulls narrowly edging out Edinburgh 33-31. I thought that was quite a cracker of a game. Darcy Graham was on fire, scoring a hat-trick in that. But his ball skills were unbelievable. I thoroughly enjoyed watching him on Saturday. You see the ball come off the post? Yes. That Actually, hold on. That's a cause for a pause here. Johan Kursen just watched that and didn't try and dive for it on the try line. And this is the man we're looking to to come and fill in at the box. Yeah, look, Jan Kersen showed a lot of promise back in the day. He's just been out of it for too long, man. Dodgy, dodgy interactions or dodgy contract negotiations and then injuries and whatnot. Um, you know, I don't know. When I saw that ball come off a post and I also saw him just kind of sta- standing there staring at it, you know, to all the young listeners out there, always chase the ball. 99 times, it's uh, it's going to go through or over the dead ball. At one time, you're going to score the try and you'll be a legend. Yeah, Vili LaRue said it after he did that to the All Blacks of a quick line-out throw that went skew. Vili snapped it up. It says, always chase the ball. And then Lions getting a South African clean sweep for us this weekend, pipping Ospreys 28-27 in an away game. It was very impressive from the Joburg men. Yeah, so my colleague's going to be very, very stoked about that. I said to him, I've got no faith in the Lions, unfortunately. But uh, look, away game... It's not easy to go over there and play in Wales in that uh, terrible, terrible weather. Sorry to any listeners from there, but you guys do have terrible weather. And well into the Lions, one point. That's great. Yeah, and then this afternoon, we watched the last fixture of the weekend. Dragons pipping Munster 23-17. Yes. Dragons with a hell of a performance in that fixture. That was an <sighs> epic, epic showing. You know, that just hurt my super brew a little bit. But, uh, I really, you know, it's, it's always... Early early games in the season, right? Anything can happen. We saw it with Zebra coming very close against the Sharks. You know, if those games were played later on in the season when all the teams are well-oiled and, and, and warmed up, could be a different story. But, you know, the Dragons, well done. They played a very good game tonight, this evening, yeah, this afternoon. For sure. And, you know, something like this for a team like the Dragons actually can set them on a good path for their season, build a bit of belief within the squad, 
get them firing a little bit and and actually set them on the right course. So very, very well done to them. I thought that was a very impressive game this afternoon. Before we dive into Ronnie's Two Cents and Saturday, we just want to let all the listeners know that the show is going to be taking a little bit of a break for a month. We've got some exciting stuff coming from the Rugby Punted, which we need a bit of time to work on. So in that time, we will release a couple of episodes. We've got some interviews lined up, but it won't be the standard show that you guys are used to. Coming you can call it a filler episode. A filler episode. There we go. That, and That's the terminology. So next week, you guys can join me on here. I'll be having a chat with Max from the Black Jersey. We're going to take a look at the Southern Hemisphere so far, or our season in the Southern Hemisphere so far, and then a look at the tour coming up, what we can expect from the likes of New Zealand, South Africa, the Wallabies, and Los Pumas as they go north. So Ronnie, Yeah, so, you, so the listeners will get a break from my voice, though, for a month. That's what we're saying. Oh, there won't be any ranting. So, Ronnie, for the last one for a, before the break, what do you have for us in your two cents this week? Yeah, look, I think uh, the last couple of months we've had a number of people that have, or a number of coaches that have come out and said after a, you know, a very, very poor game and a very poor showing, they've often said that, look, we went into that game, we wanted a couple of boxes checked and uh, we got that checked. And, you know, you and I haven't been convinced by that. Uh, we haven't accepted that. We said, you know, it's just a poor excuse for a very poor game. But ultimately, I think that after this, this, you know, the end of the ERC, uh, not the ERC, the rugby championship. I think the box can be quite proud. The sprint box can be quite proud and they can say, well, we've checked a number of boxes. I think the reality is we're all a little bit despondent this morning that we didn't win the rugby championship. But the reality is, had Bernard Foley listened to the referee and kicked the bloody ball out, we would be rugby championship, rugby championship champions this morning. Uh, that's the reality. We would have, uh, we would have won. You know, the All Blacks would have lost that game. Burn Foley would have kicked it out. The Fords would have walked slowly to the line out, tain possession, one, two, pick up and goes and kick the ball out and won the game. And uh, we would be the champions today. And we would be very happy. We would all be very happy with the end to our rugby championship. Uh, but you know what? We've ticked a lot of boxes. And I think it comes, uh, you know, you you brought my attention to it last week that Peter Steph's toy wasn't out and injured. He was just being rested and rotated, which I think is fantastic. Right, so we, we've checked a couple of boxes. I think our front rows are doing well. I think uh, our locks are doing really well. Our loose forwards are doing really well. And, you know, Jasper Fies has cemented himself there. Got some rotation going on with Peter Steff. You know, we still got players like Elric Lowe, which I'd really like to see at the end India to Evan Riss, Elric Lowe, some of these players getting a shot. You know, we've fuffed. The clerk needs a little bit of work. I think uh, his, his position as, as our first choice scrum off isn't quite cemented. Hendricks is doing really well at nine. I feel and a lot of people will disagree with me, but I felt that he hasn't hasn't let us down once. So, you know, we're doing really well. But where we really do need to 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 focus is what are we doing 10? Because we spoke about it, Franz Stein being uh, our fourth choice fly half. I think uh yeah, Yankees has been uh, Elton has been has been released or let go, or I don't know, should be let go. He's just causing too much havoc in and around the Springbok squad. So we need some work. What are we going to do there? And and Damien Delenda, is he really going to play every game for us? Who's our backup 12, right? And are we going to rest him a bit? You know, we, we know we've got Lucanio. I'm coming back, but uh, well, here's Andre Estes. Why are we not giving him a good go? And, and these are the sort of boxes that I think get ticked or not yet ticked. We know about them now at the end of the rugby championship. And I'd like to see us work on those those points uh, going into the end year tours. So, you know, 
let's let's hope uh, I think we can only get better here so look uh, we're all a little bit sad but had Bernard Foley bloody well kicked that bloody ball out we would be the rugby champions uh, championship champions uh, this morning we'd be very happy uh, and and you know we'd all be a lot more positive so I think uh, all in all it's not a bad into rugby championship for me you know looking forward towards the world cup yeah, I think I just have to add to what you said there. You know, we've got a bit of a problem at 13 still. I do not feel like Jesse Creel is the answer there. So it'll be interesting to see what the coaches can come up with there for the November tour because Lukanya Um will not be back. And also we're going to be taking a big squad to the Northern Hemisphere because we've got the midweek games as well. So hopefully that's where some of these French players really will get their chance. I mean, we could see in the SAA side a loose trio combo of Dion Ferry, Elric Lowe, and Evan Ruiz, for example, which would be quite fire to see. Then for Saturday, just a couple of things I picked up. So I drew the stats from the Six Nations, the Rugby Championship, and the July Internationals, and just had a little bit of a comparison there. So the Springboks made 42 line breaks throughout these competitions. They're the second most in 2022 from any top-tier side, which is actually quite surprising yeah. considering people say we don't run the ball. Ireland is in first place, which is a fairly obvious one. You know, you say that, though, but uh, you'd think New Zealand would be number one, right? Yeah, you would actually think New Zealand, but I mean, Ireland is definitely playing the New Zealand game to perfection now, while New Zealand is not. So that was a surprise for me, but I think a lot of those line breaks do come from the forwards with our first-phase play. 34 kicks retained. That's the most in the rugby championship and six more than anyone else got. So the box are also quite successful in retaining the balls that they kick. We've also made 907 tackles this year, which is more than any other top 10 team. And 136 lineouts, or sorry, Lurt de has 136 lineouts. The most by anyone is uh, Federico Ruza from Italy on 53. But Lurt is a clear second with 36 takes. And the box ultimately, as you mentioned with the squad, used 34 players this year so far. So they've definitely cast the net a little bit wide. I just don't feel wide enough in some positions. But like we've said, we've got the Northern Hemisphere tour to, to brush up on that. Absolutely. Lacquer, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week with me and Ronnie. We hope you guys have a lacquer one. And Ronnie and I will catch you back here again on the 25th of October will be the next episode we release together just in time for the Northern Hemisphere Tour, and we'll take a look there at the squad that's heading up north. Like everybody, thank you.